coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you, of course, by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. Make sure to visit Alumni Hall, guys. They've got all the latest Georgia summer gear, whether it's polos, t-shirts, hats. If you're like me, a little foggy challenge there, you got to have your hat during the summer because if not, your head is going to catch fire. So whatever you're looking for, guys, they've got it because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. Make sure to stop in in-store inside the Esprit Shopping Center if you're here in the Classic City. Or if not, no worries. They have a great shopping experience on their website as well, and that is alumnihall.com. But all right, guys, I'm your host, Tyler, and I've got my guy, Curtis, here with me today to finally finally dive into these early season win totals that were released what a couple of weeks back now and I really wanted to do this episode like to do a win totals episode like two days after those totals came out I mean really guys I was like a seven-year-old kid on Christmas morning major dopamine rush major dopamine rush for me guys so I've really wanted to do them for like the past two weeks I've been itching to get to this episode uh these numbers came out I think it was initially two Fridays ago but stuff just kept coming up that we had to talk about, that we had to cover on the show, whether it was the NFL draft, the long-promised mailbag episodes, or, I don't know, commitments from the number one player in the country. And as much as I wanted to break down all of those win totals, it's also one of those topics that could be pushed back a few weeks into the interminable summer months that we are currently in right now. But today is finally the day, and we are going to have some fun just talking some ball today, guys. Now, originally, the plan was Curtis and I decided that we were going to do the entire SEC today. But as we started to do the prep for the show, we realized that was um, pretty ambitious of us. We kind of came to our senses and realized that would entail about a three-hour episode. And we all know what has happened to attention spans over the past decade or so. So we're just going to focus on the SEC East today, and then we'll do the SEC West next week. We're going to kind of spread the fun over the course of the next two weeks. But uh, all right, Curtis. SEC East win totals from DraftKings. We're using DraftKings not as some sort of endorsement of DraftKings, but these were just the first numbers that I saw that Friday night when the when the win totals first came out. It was DraftKings that was putting those numbers out, so that's why we're going with them. Um, but I think there are some fascinating win totals in the SEC East, Curtis, and we're going to get to all of them. But first, we've got to kick things off with the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs whose win total DraftKings has set at 11 and a half the highest possible win total a team could have so Curtis what's your take on the 2023 Georgia Bulldogs are we going to go over 11 and a half wins and go undefeated in the regular season for the third straight season I have yes. I think that, you know, realistically, we know a lot of people believe it. And I, I'm one of those people that the toughest game for us this year will be the Tennessee game. Um, I mean, on paper, you can't even really argue that, can you? No, you can't. And I think that's, you know, it's just very simply that. I mean, there's some tricky spots. I mean, at Auburn, Hugh Freeze, we'll see what they have. They've done a really nice job in the transfer portal. I mean, Florida's Florida. The Florida's not going to be good this year. Ole Miss is interesting at home. But I mean, clearly Tennessee at Tennessee and Neyland Stadium is is the biggest pitfall on the schedule, right? Yeah, no question about it. So when you look at the schedule, Curtis, and you look at Tennessee being the most difficult game, like I know like, that game is not until November 18th. So we've got plenty of time before we get to that game. It's very late in the season. I hate this, like flipping Auburn and Tennessee. I, I just, I prefer the traditional format. We played Tennessee in October and Auburn in November, but no one cares what I think. But we're playing Tennessee. It's going to be freaking cold there on Rocky Top, Curtis, November 18th. What are the chances that Tennessee actually knocks us off? Because the Tennessee fans are convinced it's going to happen, because of course they are. But when you're looking at this, I mean, obviously we're at Georgia Pockets, but let's try to be as objective as possible. What are the odds that Tennessee has a chance to actually knock us off and pull that upset? I genuinely don't believe they're very high. And the reason I say that is I actually think that they're going to crash pretty hard this year because they're going to come back down to that reality of Joe Milton is not you know, what the bill of goods that he's being sold to be. Or what they want him to be. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get to Tennessee. I got plenty of thoughts on Tennessee. I don't want to go too much on them right now. Let's try to stick to Georgia here. But Chris, I, I'm, I'm with you here. I look at this schedule, 
And we all know, Curtis, like we did a, we did an episode a couple of weeks back about our schedule and how everyone's ripping our schedule. But, you know, it's not our fault that you guys suck. I mean, hey, whatever. It is what it is. But it is a cakewalk of a schedule. As far as ACC schedules go, like we're not we can't uh, we can't make it sound like it's anything different than a very, very easy SEC schedule. That's exactly what it is. I mean, there's no easy SEC schedule, I would say, but this is about as easy as it gets. So that's where we are right now. But when you look at the schedule, I mean, I have to ask you, Chris, like where are the pitfalls? You mentioned Tennessee at Tennessee. Are there any other games on this schedule where you're like, oh, man, like that could potentially be a tricky spot for Georgia? Um, I think you always have to look at the uh, Kentucky game. I think I will get to Kentucky. I do think Kentucky's going to be much better this year. I'm actually very, very high on Kentucky. I was not nearly as high on Kentucky as everyone was coming in last year. I think I'm much higher than the than the market is on Kentucky coming into this year. So we'll definitely get to them. I would feel like I would feel that would be much more of a pitfall game if it was in Lexington. The fact that we have it in Athens that certainly gives me more confidence. Actually, in- you know, if I had to go with it, I probably am going to go Ole Miss because the sandwich between Missouri, who we kind of want to go out there and beat their beat them after, after last, last year. year and then the week before you go to tennessee it's just kind of the unknown with with Ole miss we just haven't played them you know yeah, cause I mean, cause realistically everyone else like outside of kentucky following auburn but you're kind of have like a, a a not so good game in between most games yeah, except yeah. till the end of the season right yeah i mean really i mean god curse the schedule sets up perfectly man i mean we could not have asked for more for a more favorable schedule we got to be honest there but Ole Miss is kind of an interesting game now I, if this was in oxford i think it, i i would definitely call this a pitfall but the fact that it's in saver stadium certainly getting kind of like talking about what kentucky gives me more confidence but the lane kiffin factor here i know like i'm not saying lane kiffin is the greatest offensive mind in the history of offensive minds he, i think he's a very good offensive mind but it's just an interesting setup here with him because him and kirby i don't know if people really actually realize this they're very good friends like they have, they text each other all the time. They have a text chain, whole nine yards. Like they, they get along very, very well. They, they certainly have some familiarity with each other. So we're on the same staff at Alabama. Now, you know, obviously Kiffin has some familiarity with, with, with Nick Saban has not been able to knock him off yet. So, you know, there's that too, but it's just the fact that this is an offense that we haven't played Curtis. Like we have like Kirby smart has not faced Lane Kiffin head to head. Now, of course, and we'll watch a lot of tape all offseason, all that. I mean, we have a great defensive staff, but it, it's going to be a different kind of offense for us to defend. It's not like Tennessee where we play them every year now. We play Hypo's offense every single year, so we have a familiarity with how to defend that. Not necessarily the case with Ole Miss. So I think that that is an intriguing matchup, but at the end of the day, I just don't think they have the requisite talent level to actually beat us, to actually pull that upset in Sanford Stadium. But, I mean, when you look at the schedule, Chris, I really don't think there's – many pitfalls at all um now i will say in fairness no one saw missouri coming last year right no they didn't like no one saw missouri coming now we won that game but no one saw that game being remotely as close as it was so maybe that game's out there this year but the thing is first you can't predict that right like no one was going to predict missouri was going to push us to the brink of it like they did last year and i don't know if you can predict that i don't think you can predict anyone is going to do that this year maybe it can happen we saw it last year so it would not be unprecedented but when I look at this team, Curtis, I believe strongly that we are one of the two to three most talented teams in America, and we are significantly more talented than every single team on our schedule. And it's been that case for four or five years running now. Now, that doesn't mean you can't lose a game because we've lost some. Now, we haven't lost many in the regular season the past couple of years well, or any in the regular season the past couple of years, but it doesn't mean you can't lose game. It just means that you shouldn't. It means that I cannot sit here right now in late May and predict that is going to happen. Because we're going to be double-digit favorites, Curtis, in every single game, except for maybe at Tennessee. Right now, according to DraftKings, that line is sitting at eight points. We'll see how it moves up or down as the season progresses. Maybe Tennessee is better than people think they're going to be. Maybe they're not as good as people think they're going to be. So that line certainly probably going to move to some degree. But right now, that's the only game that we project to be less than a double-digit favorite. And that's a, and that's still a more than a touchdown favorite on the road and what people perceive to be our toughest game of the regular season. So I, there's just no reason that we should lose any single game. And I, I know, obviously, rival fan bases, the, the, the knock on George coming this year, the biggest question that we have is the quarterback position. But with the way our schedule works out, Curtis, whoever wins that job, whether it's Carson Beck, who I believe it's going to be, or Brock Vandegrift, whoever wins that job, we have a cushion early in the season 
with the way our schedule sets up to ease whoever it is that wins that job to ease them into that position. When you look at our schedule, Chris, you got UT Martin, Ball State. So you a nice cushion there the first two games. You got South Carolina at home, your first conference game. It's a nice cushion there for your first conference game at home. It's a team that we'll get to in a little bit. I think it's being a little bit oversold coming into this season. And you got UAB in week four, and then you got at Auburn, Kentucky, at Vandy. But Chris, I mean, you could not ask for a better cushion for a new quarterback to start a season, to get his feet under him, get into the rhythm, build some confidence before you head into the meat of your schedule. If you even want to call any part of our schedule, the meat of our schedule. So I think the way our schedule sets up, even with our biggest question being quarterback, it kind of mitigates that question to a, to a significant degree. So yeah, just go back to it. I, I think we are clearly, clearly more talented than every team on our schedule. I don't really see the pitfalls on the schedule outside of maybe at Tennessee. So if you're sitting here right now and you have to put money on this game, I think you would be crazy to put money on the under. I really do. I mean, this should be a schedule that we go undefeated with once again in the regular season. All right, Curtis, let's move off of Georgia for a few minutes and let's go. Uh, let's move to Tennessee next. So Tennessee, Curtis, I think everyone perceives right now, at least in the preseason, as the biggest threat to Georgia in the SEC East. And DraftKings tends to agree based on these win total numbers. DraftKings has set Tennessee's win total at nine and a half. So, Curtis, when you look at Tennessee's schedule, when you look at what the volunteers have returning, are you going to go over or under nine and a half? I'm going under. Okay, tell me why. I have losses to A&M, Alabama, and Georgia because I, I know A&M is at home, but I just – I think a and going to be a very well-improved team this year. Um, realistically, I think offense will be improved under Petrino. Um, and I just honestly am not also a big believer in Tennessee right now. Why not? I just – I don't believe that Joe Milton – you know, it seems that they need a mobile quarterback who can make the throws realistically to have a, their offense to really be humming, and I don't believe that that is who Joe Milton is. Yes, he made some good plays. Um, he's an athlete, but he can move. He can move. But but, but he's not the accurate quarterback. Oh, yeah, that's that's, that's where he's erratic for sure. And, and that's where the big arm, yes, it's big and strong and it awes you, but I don't think it's going to hold up all year in the fact of enough consistency to be it in all those big time games. Yeah. I think you and I are of the same mind when it comes to Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to be a good football team. I do not think they're going to fall off the face of the earth and drop back to six or seven win team. I do not think that's going to happen. I think there's somewhere between probably, you know, eight to nine wins. I think that's probably what this team is going to be. When I look at their schedule, I'm with you, Chris. I, I think they have two definite losses on their schedule. I think that they're going to lose to us. I know Tennessee fans would disagree. That's fine. I think that we are going to handle Tennessee without much of an issue. And I think they're going to lose at Alabama. Uh, now, I know, obviously, Tennessee beat Alabama last year. We all know that how that went down. But, Curtis, I mean, I just recently went back and rewatched that. Uh, was it two weeks ago for my offseason film study? And, Curtis, it, it, I know it had been a while since I watched the game in a couple of months. But do you remember just how badly Alabama played in that game, Kurt? Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hyatt had five catches for two hundred over seven hundred forty-eight yards. Yeah, <laughs> like, just, I mean, that's what it felt like man. Have to happen. I mean, Alabama Curtis played as poor of a game as I have seen a Nick Saban Alabama team play since his first year in Tuscaloosa back in two thousand seven. Like, I, I truly mean that. I've watched. And I can't say I've watched every single game they played, but I've watched a lot of them, and. I have never seen a Nick Saban team play that poorly at Alabama since he first got there. I mean, Curtis, we're talking, remember that, like the, the muff punt, like where the guy thought it hit one of his teammates and he goes and dives on it and they get they give the ball back to Tennessee. And that's another score for Tennessee. I mean, God, gee, they could not, they said, now part of the defensive issues were Pete Golding, just not making any adjustments whatsoever. But regardless, Alabama played as poorly as I have seen Alabama play in a long time. I mean, late in that game, Curtis, they actually would have had a touchdown to win the game. Jameer Gibbs, as good as Jameer Gibbs was. I don't know if, I know it was a couple of months ago, Curtis. Do you remember? It was like a little angle route out of the backfield, and Bryce Young put it on him, and he just flat out dropped the ball. If he catches the ball, he walks in the end zone, Alabama wins the game. They had to settle for a field goal there. So they just played as poorly as they possibly could. And Tennessee still, Curtis, still barely won that game on a last game field goal at home. Now I know Alabama, as I've talked about, I don't see Alabama being as dominant this year as, as everyone else does. I know Alabama, we'll get to them next week, but Alabama, you know, look everywhere else in the field, they are as talented as you can get. I mean, just as talented as anyone in the country, but quarterback, most important position on the field. I don't do not think they have the answer right now. I do not think they have the answers at wide receiver right now. We'll see Mackay Bitten coming in uh, as a Juco guy. who's a highly touted guy. We'll see if he can be that guy. We don't have any proof of that right now. Maybe we just don't know. So I, I don't think Alabama will be, I mean, I don't think Alabama's going to be as good as they were last year, 
but I also don't think Tennessee is going to be as good as they were last year. So I think Alabama is going to beat Tennessee at home. That's two sure losses in my book, the way I look at it for Tennessee. So what that means, Curtis, if they drop those two games to Georgia and Alabama, that means for them to go over nine and a half, they have to win out. They have to win every single other game. And I think there are some potential spots where like they could lose a game here. I mean, look at at Florida. I think they're better than Florida right now. I would predict them to beat Florida, but I don't know if that's a, an absolute done deal. Like there's no questions asked that they're going to beat Florida. I mean, I think Florida has a shot there at Kentucky. We'll talk about Kentucky here in a few minutes. I think that's a very tricky game for Tennessee Curse. That's at Kentucky right after they go to Bama. And then, Curse, they have at Missouri right before we come to town. Talk about an overlooked spot. That's a trap game extraordinary. They have two trap games at Kentucky, at Missouri. They could easily drop one, if not maybe both of those games. Then they have South Carolina at home, which is a game they should win. But Carolina, we'll see how that goes. AM at home, I think AM is much more, not, well, I shouldn't say much more. I think AM is a more talented team than Tennessee. Obviously, that game being in Knoxville certainly helps the volunteers, but I think AM has a very good chance of beating them. So are you telling me, Curtis, like that they're going to go undefeated the rest of the of the way outside of Alabama and Georgia with the games I just read off? Like, is that I mean, how likely is that, Kurt? That's very unlikely. Yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it. I mean, offensively, like they're gonna be good. I'm not gonna sit here and say that, that they're gonna be terrible on offense. They're gonna be good. Josh Heupel doesn't produce bad offenses, but this is an offense. That I truly believe, Curtis, like you were talking about with Joe Milton, I agree with you. I think they're going to take a step back at quarterback and wide receiver. Tennessee fans don't want to believe that. But, Curtis, let me ask you this. All right, this is just how my mind works. This is how my mind works. Tennessee fans, their minds don't work this way, but this is how my mind works. If Joe Milton, Curtis, was better than Hendon Hooker, why did he lose the job to him in 2021? Can you answer that question for me? That's exactly what I've been saying this whole time. I, I, it's it's irrational, Curtis, but Tennessee fans, now they'll argue till they're blue in the face that Joe Milton's better than Hendon Hooker, or at the very least, there's no drop off. I'm like, well, okay, that, that's, that, that defies logic because if he was as good as him, he would have kept his job in 2021 and he would have won the job back, but he didn't. So I don't understand. I mean, here, you got a quarterback, you're, so exactly, just exactly what you were saying, Curtis, you have a quarterback in Joe Milton who's got fantastic physical tools. I will not deny that. But it's his physical tools that got him starting jobs at both Michigan. Let's not forget that. He had a starting job at Michigan and Tennessee, but whose erratic accuracy and terrible decision-making lost him both jobs. You're putting all – Tennessee fans are putting all their faith in this guy who's gotten beaten out twice after being handed the job at Michigan and Tennessee because he's got crazy physical tools. But when you actually get out there and have to play games, he lays an egg. And this is the guy that they are putting their hopes and dreams into? I mean, he's a poor man's Anthony Richardson, Curtis. That's who, like, Anthony Richardson, all the physical tools in the world didn't translate in the college level. I think the same thing is true of Joe Milton. He's just not quite as physically gifted as, as Anthony Richardson is. I think he, I think that's what he is, Curtis. I think he's a poor man's Anthony Richardson. And then a receiver, like, you don't lose Jalen Hyatt and CJ Tillman and get better at wide receiver. You just don't. I mean, yeah, Squirrel Williams, Ramel Keaton, like, they're nice players. They're nice complimentary pieces last year, but they have never once in their life shown they are feature guys. And I don't think that they are. Now they do have Brew McCoy coming back at receiver. He's their one big-time returner, but he's a different type of wide receiver. He's a big physical possession guy. He's not an explosive guy like Hyatt and Tillman. I question where those explosive plays are going to come from, from the wide receiver position. Now, defensively, yeah, I mean, they do have a decent amount of returning production on D, and I can see them being slightly better, but I firmly I firmly believe, Curtis, they're still lacking the dudes on that side of the ball to be any better than I, than I would say pretty good. So when you have the kind of consistency issues at quarterback that Joe Milton has displayed throughout his entire career at Michigan and Tennessee, of course, with that kind of erratic play at quarterback, of course you could screw up and lose one of those other games outside of Georgia and, Tennessee, or Georgia and Alabama. So that's why I feel pretty strongly about Tennessee going under nine and a half. I'm exactly right there with you, Curtis. All right, I've teased Kentucky for a little bit here, Curtis. Now, it's interesting. So you got Georgia and Tennessee at the top there. Georgia 11 and a half, Tennessee at nine and a half. There's no other team in the SEC East, Curtis, with a win total higher than six and a half. It's crazy. And Kentucky is one of those teams, Curtis, at six and a half. Kentucky Wildcats have been the model of stability under Mark Stoops, but DraftKings, at least, is not very high on the Wildcats coming to this season, putting their win total at six and a half. So what is your take on Kentucky Curtis this year? Are they going to go over or under six and a half? I'm going over. Um, you know, they burned me last year, but I could see them at eight or nine wins this year. Over by a million, Curtis. In fact, I will go ahead and tell you guys the very first win total bet that I put down this preseason – 
was on Kentucky to go over six and a half. As soon as I saw those numbers come out at six and a half for Kentucky, I could not run to my phone fast enough to lay down that bet. I mean, I am very confident in that bet. I think that is the easiest money on the board when it comes to win totals this offseason. And look, guys, I know they have all those big buildings in Vegas because those sports books know what they're talking about most of the time. But I really just don't get it with Kentucky at only six and a half right now. Try to explain this to me, Chris. What, what, is, what am I missing with Kentucky? Why is this win total only six and a half? Like, it's freaking I think me out. what happened last year. They came in with a decent amount of hype and laid an egg last year. Do you think losing Will Levis is part of that? It may be. I think that could be a blessing in disguise, honestly. It, it actually could realistically, but um, I, I really do think it just has to do with what happened last year. You know, them just not having much consistency and teams kind of feeling a little burnt by them. Yeah, I think last year, I think that's part of it. I think that's, that's probably, I mean, they were, they were a pretty hyped team last year. Not as hyped as Tennessee was, but they were still a pretty hyped team coming into the season last year. And it didn't work out. They they went seven and five overall last year. I think most people have them going like, you know, eight or nine wins, at least eight wins, maybe up to nine wins, possibly even 10 wins. I mean, forget who it was. Somebody in the, was it Chris Doring? I want to say Curtis predicted them to beat us last year. Is that right? Probably. He, I, I mean, think I know he predicted was, us to lose a couple of games. Yeah, I think it was Takeo Spikes predicted us to lose to Tennessee, I want to say. Oh, no, someone picked us to lose to South Carolina. Was that Takeo Spikes? I think that was Spikes. Yeah, well, somebody picked us to lose to South Carolina. Somebody picked us, one of those big names picked, picked us to lose to Tennessee. And I'm pretty sure it's Chris Doring, I want to say, that picked us to lose to Kentucky last year. So, like, this was a team that people were on last year. And they they were disappointing because they they finished seven and five, seven and six overall. If you count the bowl game when they lost to the worst offense in the history of offenses in Iowa, they lost that game twenty one nothing. What a what a terrible offensive effort that was. I know that Will Levison played in that game. Iowa had at least one pick six, maybe two pick sixes in that game. It was just a terrible offensive game. But I for some reason watched every single second of it. But I, I do think that's probably why Curtis. But when I look at this Kentucky team this year, I just I'm I'm so excited that DraftKings decided to put that number six and a half because I think this is the easiest money there is on the board in the entire SEC. I really believe that. I think this is this is easy money, Curtis. I know you lose Will Levis. We know how that, you know, was thought to be a first-round draft pick, ends up in the high, what well, was the first pick of the second round, but a guy that people were very high on, right? I think Devin Leary transferring in from NC State is going to be an upgrade for Kentucky at quarterback. I'm not saying Devin Leary has as high of an upside physically like in the NFL, as Will Levis, he probably does because he doesn't have those kind of physical tools. But to this point in his career, if you look at their two college careers, Devin Leary has unquestionably been the better college quarterback. I mean, the dude threw 35 touchdowns of five interceptions in 2021. Now, he was banged up for about half of last year. But what he did in 2021 at NC State was significantly more productive than anything that we had ever seen from Will Levis at the college level. I think they upgrade at quarterback, at least when it comes to like actually playing the college football game. Uh, I think I also think they have one of the most underrated wide receiver cores in the entire SEC. Barry on Brown and Dane Key were both freshmen last year, and they flashed more than a few times. I think those guys are ready for big years as sophomores. Ray Davis, nobody's talking about Ray Davis, Curtis. And everyone said, oh, Kentucky lost Chris Rodriguez. Okay, yeah, sure. Ray Davis, 1,000-yard rusher from Vanderbilt last year, is transferring over to Kentucky. He will be their feature back this year. And of course, you always have the Mark Stoops effect, who's one of the best coaches in all of college football. At the very least, under Mark Stoops, they will always be solid. They're never going to be bad under Mark Stoops. He's just too good of a football coach. So I think this is a clear over. I think they're going to go over by a couple of games here. I mean, if you look at the schedule, Ball State, Akron, Eastern Kentucky, at Vanderbilt, to me, those are all 100% for sure wins. I also need to beat Florida. I'm giving them Missouri at home. And I think they're going to win at Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State is going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year, maybe the worst, maybe right there with Vanderbilt, with the big changer going from the air raid to what they're going to try to do. This year is a very, very different kind of thing. We'll get to the next week. But I think all was at one, two, three, four, five. Six. That's seven wins right there, Chris, I'm giving them. I mean, that, that puts them over right there. And I think that they, Tennessee is interesting with the, where that game falls. Tennessee is a more talented team. They get Tennessee at home. I think Kentucky has a shot to win the game. They won't be the favorites. They have a shot to win it. At South Carolina, that is a 50-50 game in my book. At Louisville, I would, I would right now would give Kentucky a slight edge there, but at the very least a 50-50 game. Now, I do think that they lose at Georgia. They get Bama. They, they lose both those games. But outside that, Curtis, I think every other game on their schedule is winnable. There's only two games I'm saying like, oh, yeah, there's no way they win those football games. Every single other game is winnable. So I got Kentucky going over by a couple of games. I'm very, very high on Kentucky this year. All right, also at six and a half wins, Curtis, we've got the Missouri Tigers, who did go bowling last year, 
under head coach Eli Drinkwitz. What do you see with Missouri this year? Over or under six and a half? I'm going under. This is an interesting team. I I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I'm curious. I, I'll go and tell you. I lean slightly over, but slightly over. I'm curious why you're saying under. I see them only getting six wins. And okay. that's with them beating South Carolina at home. That's the only way they get to six, six wins. Is that's so then beating South Carolina at home is the only way they get to six wins. Yeah. Who do you got as their as their wins? Um South Dakota, Middle Tennessee, Kansas State, Memphis, Vanderbilt. Then they go in a long So you got loop. five, five for sure wins, you're saying. Yeah, and then South Carolina. And outside of that, I have them being what uh, only one win in the SEC. Yeah, I think I think they will lose at Kentucky. Could they could win that? I don't. That's not a for sure loss. I would say they'll lose to at, at Kentucky. Florida at home, Curtis. You really don't think Missouri can win that game? You know, I just I think last year Missouri caught you know caught a couple teams by surprise, but I don't. I just don't see that being the case this year. Yeah, they screwed me by beating Arkansas last year. In the last and, and to be honest, I wanted to punch every Drinkowitz, player in the team. In the game. Or Dinkowitz, however you say it, is such Drinkowitz, a tool yeah. that you know if he <laughs> does end up beating you one time, you never want it to happen again because he's such a a tool. I, I, that's 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 about as nice a word you can use. Yeah, yeah that's that, fair. I, um, I wanted to say worse, but yes, he's yeah, so yeah. I mean, We're trying to keep it somewhat family friendly here. All right. When I look at this Missouri schedule, Curtis, I see two for sure losses, two for sure losses at Georgia, LSU. They're not winning either of those games, right? Mm-hmm. Would you put Tennessee in the for sure loss category? At, that Tennessee's at home. I would. I still think Tennessee's better than them. Tennessee is definitely better than Missouri, but the fact that it's in Columbia. Well, and people don't remember the you know as good as Luther Burden was, one of their big what made them go was Love it. Yeah, Love he was their biggest playmaker last year for sure. And now he's no with asked. the good guys, so you got to put that into. But, but could Luther Burden take a, a step forward this year, a big step forward as a sophomore? He could, yes, but I think the fact of not having Love it to focus on or take any attention off of him is what's going to hurt him. Yeah, that's fair. That's Teams fair. We'll see that more so, which he'll still get his yards because he's that good. But I just don't see him being what they need to win. I think it. I mean, they added Theo Weiss from Oklahoma. He was a highly rated recruit back in the day. He was never, never quite translated to be a, a big time receiver at Oklahoma, but he was at least serviceable. I think he can be what Luther Burden was from Missouri last. Year. I think Luther Burden could potentially be their Dominic Lovett this year. I think Weiss could be their Burden from last year. I think we'll see how that plays out. I think it's a nice addition for them. I think Curtis, when it comes down to from Missouri, it all depends on quarterback play for them. And right now, like who's going to be their quarterback? Brady Cook was the guy last year. He's back this year, but they add Jake Garcia, who was a highly recruited dude who went to Miami, lost that job to Tyler Van Dyke, and now he's transferred out to Missouri. Sam Horn from Collins Hill, Curtis, back in our neck of the woods in Gwinnett County, he's there as well, you know, fighting for that job too. He was a, a highly rated four star guy. I mean. He was a really big get for Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, Curtis, their recruiting class this year, I know he's not part of the recruiting class this year, but it's the highest rated recruiting class in the history of Missouri football. So he's done yeah, a but, solid job in but, terms of like the standard the of Missouri is, football. Their, their highest rated in history is probably the lowest rated in history for Georgia. Oh, for sure. Like they're not going to beat us. I'm not saying, see, that, I'm just saying well, like, that's the, you just got to put listeners who don't know it. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you talk about the quarterback battle. Brady Cook's serviceable. Sam Horn, we'll see how he is when you don't ha- when you're not throwing the Travis Hunter. True. Um, and Jake Garcia, the I believe I saw him play one game, and that was the, the one game where they lost year. to a D two school at Miami. Yeah, he had to come into that game. Yeah, man. Uh, I'll say this: if Brady Cook is our quarterback again, they they go under. But. If he gets beaten out by Garcia or Horn, that means that they are going to upgrade at quarterback this year. I think that means they go over. I think they're one solid. They don't have to be great, but one solid quarterback away from being a seven to eight win team. I just don't know if that's going to train. Like, I don't know if it's Garcia ready. Is Horn ready? I don't know. Brady Cook was not good for them last year. He was just, he just wasn't, he was not good. And so he's the guy again, to go under, I'm with you there. So I need, I need to kind of see how that plays out before I decide to put any money on Missouri one way or the other. So it's very slight lean to the over for me. I like what, here's the one thing about Missouri curse. I don't know how many people realize this. This is a team that's top 10 in returning production, who is a Bill Conley puts those numbers out every year and they are top 10, his returning production numbers this year. They have a lot of guys coming back. Defensively, a lot of dudes. Tyron Hopper is a really good inside linebacker for them. Chris Abrams drains another really good player on that side of the ball. The greatest kicker in the history of college kickers, Harrison Mevis, is back once again. And that's a weapon, Curtis. That is a weapon. He is a weapon. No, he is a weapon. I know it's a kicker. You don't want to talk about kickers, you're talking about wind tunnels, but I mean, dude, like he's the reason they were in that game against us last year. I mean, that dude's dynamite. 
So I think they have the returning production. I think they have a, a dude that could be a really big time player than a receiver in Luther Burden. It all comes down to quarterback play. And I just, I don't know how that's going to turn out for them, but I look at their schedule. I'm with you. South Dakota is a win. Middle Tennessee is a win. I got Memphis is a win at Vandy. Those are four sure wins. Then I have what I call the toss up games. Kansas State thinks a toss up game. They get them at home. So I think they could win that, but I can't say it's a for sure win. Uh, South Carolina's a toss up game at home. I think at Kentucky, I, I would lean Kentucky, but I guess I can throw it in the toss up category. I think Florida's a toss up. I think at Arkansas is also a toss up. Um, Tennessee, I don't think it's quite a toss up. I think it's a likely loss, but I don't think it's a for sure loss. Man, that's a whole totally separate category. But if they get the four wins that I had them getting, that means they need to get three wins out of Kansas State, South Carolina, at Kentucky, Florida, at Arkansas. I think they can do that, Curse, barely. I think this is a seven-win team, so I'm going to go slightly over here. That's assuming that either Jake Garcia or Sam Horn win the job, and that represents an upgrade for them at the quarterback position. All right, Chris, another team, one more team here in the SEC East that's sitting at six and a half, the South Carolina Gamecocks, Curtis. We've talked about them with a couple of these different teams. Let's dive a little bit deeper on them right now. Over, under, six and a half for the Cox. I have them under, let me pull it up. Yes, the only wins I have for them are Furman, Mississippi State, and Jacksonville State. State. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina, there's not many wins on that, Ross. You're giving the North Carolina game? I'm going to go Carolina. Yeah, well, which Carolina? Well, North Carolina. I'm going to give, yes, I agree. I think North Carolina will win that game. I don't think it's a for sure loss for South Carolina, but I would give the Tar Heels the edge coming into the game. For sure. Yeah. With what with Drake May and the and the, how they've reloaded a wide receiver. I I think North Carolina, can't just say Carolina. North Carolina is gonna win that football game. We'll see how that plays out. But yeah, right now I would I would put them as a favorite there. So yeah, I got Furman, Mississippi State, Jacksonville State, Vandy as the wins for South Carolina, like the for sure wins. I've got toss-ups, um, Florida at home, Kentucky at home. Clemson at home, which is crazy. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about Clemson at home. They the only reason I have that Clemson's a toss-up is they beat Clemson in Clemson last year, right? So that's yeah. why I'm going to throw as a, as a toss-up game, give them the benefit of the doubt there. I'm going to call UNC a toss-up game, but I think UNC beats them. And at Missouri, I'm also going to call a toss-up game. I think three for sure losses in my book for them are at Georgia, at Tennessee, and at Texas a and I don't think they win any of those games. So I got four for sure wins. I mean, they have to get three wins, Curtis, out of Florida, Kentucky, Clemson, North Carolina, and Missouri. You don't think they get that? No, I don't. I agree. I'm going under here. It's a slight under. I don't feel super strong about this one. They could get to seven. Like, I think they maybe could beat Florida at home. I think they could beat Florida at home. I don't think they're going to beat Kentucky, but it's at home. So maybe. Could they get North Carolina? Yeah, possibly. But I, again, I think North Carolina has got more talent right now. I think, they, I think they're much better at quarterback. I know people are high on Spencer Rattler, which I'll get to in a second here. Um, at Missouri, they could get, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think six is the number for them. I think they get. I think they get the four that I gave them, Furman, Mississippi State, Jacksonville State, Vandy, and I get two out of Florida, Kentucky, Clemson, North Carolina, Missouri. That's where I'm going to stick with them. So slight under there at six and a half. What do you think about Spencer Rattler, Curtis? Because this is a guy that's getting a lot of hype once again, just like he did last year, Curtis, just like he did last year coming to the season, getting a lot of hype. He was getting, in some circles, Curtis, he was getting Heisman Trophy hype coming to last year, which is crazy to me considering how things went down at Oklahoma, but he was getting that hype. Now that hype is starting to heat up again after how he finished the season last year. So how do you view Spencer Rattler coming into 2023? Um, I think he's a wild card. I think he can have some good games, but I think that realistically those aren't, that's not the normal for Spencer Rattler. I mean, you think back to if he couldn't do this at Oklahoma, I don't think he can consistently do it at South Carolina because he had better weapons and better coaching out there and not as good competition. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Um, here's the thing with South Carolina Curtis. A lot of people were like shocked when they saw this window of six and a half. Like, the South Carolina fans, like, oh my, they were like offended by it. And a lot of people out there like saying, Oh, man, South Carolina, that's easy money. That's that's one of the best bets in, in all college football this season. Take the over, easy. And I don't know about that, man. Um, I think people are just looking at how they finished last year and, and just assume they're gonna build off of that finish where they beat Tennessee, who was a top 10 team at the time. They go into into Death Valley, beat Cle- or the fake Death Valley and beat Clemson. And I think people look at that and they're like, man, yeah, like they're going to build that momentum. Shane Beamer, like he's full people are thinking like, he's this like elite coach some way, somehow. I don't know how he's full people, but like 
I don't know, Curtis. Like Shane, Shane Beamer has this like facade, like this this show he puts on, and people can't seem to see through it. I I tend to look right through it, but that's okay. It's I'm a Georgia guy, so I guess by nature I have to look through those things. But I I would be careful if you're one of those people that are just kind of looking at how they finished last season. Be careful because this is also a team that lost to Notre Dame in the bowl game. I know bowl games are bowl games, and I don't you don't put too much stock into that, but. It wasn't a great look for them in that bowl game. Curse, they only they're a hundred and second nationally in returning production. They just simply do not recruit like we do. Like if we were hundred and second nationally returning production, I wouldn't blink an eye because like we know who we have waiting in the wings. Like we just recruit as well as anybody in the country. That's not the case for South Carolina. Like has Beamer recruited better for them? Yeah, a little bit, but they don't recruit anywhere near the level that we do. So they can't just plug and play guys. The transfer portal certainly helped to a degree, but they haven't hit, they lost actually they lost, they lost quite a few guys to transfer portal, haven't added a bunch of impact players from the portal. And when you look at Spencer Rattler, you have to ask yourself, will the real Spencer Rattler please stand up? Like you said, there's a wild card. Yes, those last two games of regular season, Tennessee and Clemson, or the last two power five games of regular season, Tennessee and Clemson, he was spectacular. 399 yards, um, per game between those two games, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. But here's the thing, Curtis, people forget what Spencer Rattler was before that. In the seven other Power 5 games that he played outside of Tennessee and Clemson last year, the dude averaged 193 yards passing game through five touchdowns to seven interceptions. Now, if you're asking me, I would lean more heavily on the seven-game sample size as opposed to the two-game sample size. Is that crazy, Curtis? No, that's exactly where I would be also. I mean, it just it it's just math, man. Like I'm not I'm not a math guy, but it, it's pretty simple here. Seven games, he was a liability. Two games, he was awesome. Well, I would say it's far more like those two games were were anomalies than they were. This is who this guy is. I would say it's far more likely he is who he was in the seven other games they played against Power Five teams. Now I know those last two games of Tennessee and Clemson that were further along the seasons. So people want to say, oh, he figured things out. He got better. And that's who we can expect him to be moving forward. I don't know if I believe that. I just, I simply don't know if I believe that. You're right, Chris. He does have some good ability and like he can make some plays. Absolutely he can, but he is a, an absolutely horrific decision maker. We saw that when we played them last year. It's a terrible decision maker. And I, I get, I just lean more heavily on the sample size you showed me over seven games, as opposed to that very, the much smaller sample size of two games late in the season. So, We'll see how how it plays out this year, but I'm not sold on Spencer Rattler. I think he's a good, solid quarterback. I'm not sold that he's an elite quarterback. And if he's not an elite quarterback, I don't think they go over six and a half wins. Juice Wells, a receiver, I think is one of the best training receivers in the league. But you lose a lot of guys on defense. You lose Cam Smith, who's your best corner. He was your best defender last year. You lose one of the only five stars you have on defense in Jordan Birch. He transferred out to Oregon. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think this is going to be uh, – a crazy talented team and so I, i'm not one of those people who was surprised when i saw this total at six and a half i think that's actually about right for carolina i i think this is probably a six win team so i'm gonna go under slightly to the under there all right curtis now this is another one again i was not surprised to see this number but a lot of people were especially fans of this program and of course i'm talking about the florida gators whose win total was set by a DraftKings at five and a half curtis five and a half they got to six wins last year. They got to six and six, got into a bowl game, got smacked by Oregon State and Las Vegas Bowl to, in, to finish the year six and seven. So, Curtis, DraftKings think they're going to take a step back in year two under head coach Billy Napier, which is not what you normally see. Usually year two is where you take a, a solid step forward. That's not how they're viewing things this year for the Gators. How do you look at Florida season, Curtis? Over or under five and a half wins? I'm going five. I realistically think they could be at four wins um when looking i do not at, think that's a stretch I, I totally agree i mean right now looking at it i the only all right the only guaranteed wins kind of how you did it with um missouri or however was mcneese charlotte and vanderbilt which right that's now that's exactly what i've got three guarantees yep. year yep and three then outside that you have tennessee at home which i don't see you're at kentucky that's a tough one at south carolina is a tough one um arkansas is the only one that i think could go either is a toss up. Here's what I've got. I, I had the 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 wins. I'm the same. I'm the same as you. I've got McNeese, Charlotte, Vanny. Those are wins. 
I have for sure losses. Like, I don't think they're going to win any of these games. Georgia in Jacksonville, not going to win that game. They're not winning at LSU. They get Florida State at home. Florida State significantly better than them this year. They're not winning that game. They're not going to Utah and winning that game. Utah's got too much talent for them. It's it's all the way across the country, not happening. I also put, I know they get Tennessee at home, Curtis. I just think Tennessee's better. Um, so I put Tennessee in the for sure loss category. That's five for sure losses I have for them. So that's best case scenario, seven and five. And then you mentioned something like, I, I would, I think Kentucky will beat them. So I don't think, I don't know if I would put Kentucky in a toss up. I think Kentucky's like, I, I lean loss there at South Carolina. I would say is a toss up. Arkansas at home's a toss up. Missouri's a toss up. So for them to get to six wins, they're going to have to win at least three of those toss up games. And let's be real, Curtis, most of those games I have as toss-up games in that category, I don't really view them as toss-up games. I view them as more likely losses than I do as wins. I'm talking about at Kentucky, at South Carolina, at Missouri. I'm not even sure those are really toss-up games. I think those are games right now I would predict Florida to lose. And I know Florida fans out there would object to me saying Missouri is not a toss-up game. Guys, Florida is 6-5 and five against Missouri since they joined the SEC. They are 2-3 and three on the road in Columbia. And that game is going to be played on November 18th, the second to last game of the year. It's going to be freaking cold. And every time that Florida plays in Missouri, when it's cold, they tend to struggle. So they're going to get three wins out of at Kentucky, at South Carolina, Arkansas at home, at Missouri. They're going to win three of those four games because barring some massive upset against either Georgia or Florida State or at Utah, or at LSU, barring a massive upset in one of those games, they are going to have to win three of those four games to get to six wins. No way, man. There's no way. I just don't see it. Heck, I think it's more likely they only get one of those games and get to four wins than it is that they get three of them and get to six wins. I mean, Curtis, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Florida won't win any of those games. No, it's not. I mean... Who who do they have on this team? Talk to me about Grammers. Like oh, this yeah, is he's going to be their guy. Joe Burrow. Uh, that, that's what they think he is. I mean, that's what fan bases do. They build these guys up because they they have to have hope, right? They have, they don't want yeah, to be all all off don't season. Me wrong. Joe Burrow is a great quarterback, and I still think he's really really good. But Graham Mer- Graham Mertz does not have Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, all these wide receivers. And here's the thing: we 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 know what Graham Mertz is. We've seen two. Three years of grammars. We hadn't really seen any of Joe Burrow. He was just sitting in the wings, not playing. So we couldn't say like definitively, oh yeah, Joe Burrow's not that good. We didn't know. We've seen grammars. Like we know who this guy is. Of course, over the past two seasons, he's thrown 22, 29 touchdowns to 22 interceptions. That's crazy. That's, this guy is I mean, the big team has uh, decent defenses, but that's not SEC speed consistently. I mean, Kurt is 29 touchdowns to 22 interceptions over the last two years. And they think this this is their guy? I mean. Curtis, here's another number for you. Graham Merch over the past two seasons has thrown for 100 or fewer yards five times. Five times in the last two seasons. And that's the dude you're putting your hopes and dreams into? Guys, I feel so bad for you. Like, I mean, I hate Florida, but God, I kind of feel bad for him. Like, they really think this guy is going to be it for them? They There's do. no chance. It's entertaining. No, and, and you're right. Like, like, who are the receivers, Curtis? I can't name a single one outside of uh, Ricky Pearsall. I don't know who they have. Ricky, Ricky Pearsall is is the only guy. Like, and if Ricky Pearsall is your guy, that means you don't have a guy because he ain't that dude. He's just not. I like what they have at running back. I think Trevor Etienne's a good back. I think Montreal Johnson is a good back. I think they have two really good running backs, but you also lose your two best offensive linemen. So <laughs> I don't know, man. 107th in, in returning production nationally. And on defense, who are the who are the difference makers on defense, Curtis? Um, someone who has gained an additional thirty five pounds after being already overly heavyweight. That I, I that's that's what they're putting their faith into, but they don't exist. Like their difference makers for Florida on defense do not exist right now. They don't have them. They might get them in the future, but they don't have them right now. So I I absolutely do not think it's a stretch to say Florida goes four and eight. And I know that seems crazy. It's Florida, but I mean, I think I think five wins. I mean, six wins is. Of course, if they get to six wins, that's a hell of a season. It is actually. That is a hell of a season. I think that that is a that is maxing out. That's more than maxing out the talent you have on your roster. If you get to six wins with this schedule, like I just there's no way that just no way. Like they're de- I I feel very confident they're going to go under. I feel very confident they're going under six wins. 
I mean, I, I think five, I, yeah, I'm going under there. Dude, if they had this set at five, I would, I might still go under. Like, if it was set at five, what would you say? Um, I, I mean, I would try to push, but I'd probably go under. I would go under because I, I think I would at least get a push. And you'd probably get pretty good odds if it was at five. I might try to look for it at five somewhere. All right, Kurt, last team here once again, as always, pulling up the rear in the SEC East, at least when it comes to preseason projections, are the Vanderbilt Commodores, whose win total sits at three and a half. Now, Curtis, this is a Vanderbilt team that late last season, some way, somehow, found a way to not get, to get not one, but two SEC wins. Can the Commodores do it again this year and go over three and a half? I'm going to go over. I mean, of the first four games, they have a chance to win four games realistically. You know, Wake Forest and UNLV are toss-ups to me. Um, That's Wake the Forest, game. Wake Forest is – I think they I, they say four non-con games, right? Yeah. I think three of them are wins. I think at Hawaii – so they actually get they get Hawaii at home this year. I think Hawaii at home is a win. Um, I think that Alabama and A&M is a win. I, at UNLV, but UNLV is not good. Give me at UNLV. At Wake, week three, Curtis. That's it for them. That's the season. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I and then after that, I mean, they only they've already beat it at that point, and I still think they can maybe sneak up on someone. But can you predict that, Curtis? I mean, like, yes, last year they won two SEC games late in the season when teams are kind of giving up and were kind of falling apart. But hey, they won those games. Gotta give them credit. Can't take that away from them. They won those games. But like you look at the schedule this year, can you really reasonably predict them to win any of those SEC games? The only one I think they have a shot at is Missouri because it's at home. Yeah, Missouri at home, maybe. I just, Missouri's just better, man. Like, yeah, I guess they could if Missouri plays down to their level. Because that's what it's going to take. For Vandy to win a game in the SEC, the team they're playing has to play very poorly. And, they, and Vandy has to play well to take advantage of it. This is what happened against Kentucky last year. That's what happened against Florida last year. And it happened. It's possible. But I just don't know how you can predict that to happen. Because, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, like maybe Missouri. I, they get Kentucky at home. They're not beating Kentucky. Kentucky. They beat Kentucky last year. This is a revenge game for Kentucky. It ain't happening. They are not beating Kentucky two years in a row. Not happening. I don't think Florida's going to be good, but it's at – like if they got Florida at home, I'd say, huh, that's interesting. But at Florida, no. At Ole Miss, no. Auburn at home. I think Auburn's going to be better than people think. Um, at South, If South Carolina was at home, maybe, but no, not in Columbia. Not at Tennessee. Don't see that. So, yeah, it comes down to Wake Forest, Curtis. Can they win that game? If they do, they go over. If they don't, they go under. I'm what did you say? Over under? I said over. I want to I think that Wake is not going to be that good. Or what they were last year. Without Sam Hartman. Yeah. They have a they have this they have an offensive system. It's not the same as Tennessee's, but in a similar vein, like it, it's almost almost like a plug and play system there with Dave yeah. Clawson. I agree. I just I it's I'm not sure up, Sam Hartman's as good as everyone thinks he is. It's a toss-up, but I also do think Vanderbilt's getting better. So I think these are the type of games that they have to win if they want to. Yeah, at least. I do think they're getting better. I like yeah. I like AJ Swan at quarterback. As a freshman last year, he did some really good things. He was in and out of the lineup, but I saw enough good things from him, from him to say, okay, this guy could be good down the road. They have two good receivers. Will Shepard is one of the better receivers in the SEC that no one really talked about last year. Really good receiver for them. Jade McGowan's a, a, a shifty, fast slot receiver. They do a lot of different things with. They have some guys on offense. Defensively, they just don't have the talent. But I think Clark Lee's a good coach. I think he's putting this program on, on solid ground, kind of leading them in the right direction. They have, still have a long way to go. I really struggle with this one, though, Curtis. I really, really do, man. Because when you look at Vanderbilt last year, yes, I know their final record was 5-7. and seven. They get to five wins. But all of you out there that have been listening to this podcast for a while – you know one of the stats that I'm really big on in trying to gauge how good a team actually is or how bad a team really is, is their total yardage margin. What was the difference between the total yards they gained and the total yards they gave up defensively? I think that's a really good measure of really just overall how good a team is. And every year there are some teams, to be sure, that overplay their yardage margin and some teams every year underplay that. They don't win as many games as their yardage margin would suggest they do. And there's teams that win more games than their yardage margin would suggest that they should. Vanderbilt last season was one of those teams whose final record did not align with their yardage margin. In fact, last year, guys, Vanderbilt was the third worst team in the country when it came to their yardage margin. There were only two teams worse. The only two teams that had a worse yardage margin than Vanderbilt did last year were Indiana and Colorado. Colorado was minus 2740. They were by far the worst in the country. They only won one game. Indiana was minus 1450. They won four games. Vanderbilt was minus 1360. 
they won five games. And when you look at the other teams that won five games last year and compare their yardage margins to where Vanderbilt's was, Vanderbilt is the one that doesn't belong. One of these is not like the other. So Texas A&M last year won five games. They were minus 50 in their yardage margin, which for those of you who aren't familiar with that stat, that means they were outgained by 50 yards on the season. Arizona got the five wins. They were minus 75. Miami got the five wins. They were minus 100. West Virginia got the five wins. They were minus 150. Auburn got the five wins, minus 200. And then there's a big gap between those teams. The next three teams, you have Michigan State. They got the five wins. was minus 760. Tech got to five wins somehow late in the season. They were minus 920. And then pulling up the rear of the five win teams, you have Vanderbilt at minus 1360. Again, one of those is not like the others. So what I'm saying there is that there was a luck factor. When your yardage margin is minus 1360 in some way, somehow you get the five wins, there's a serious luck factor in that happening. And luck most of the time doesn't carry over from one season to the next. That's not something you can just bottle up and say, okay, cool, like we got really lucky this year, so we're going to carry over to next season too and carry over into the season after that. Like, No, that's not how that works. It's just not a sustainable aspect of football. I mean, with that yardage margin, guys, Vanderbilt really had like this the statistical profile of a two to three win team. So I do really struggle in going over three and a half for them, but I'm going to put my faith in Clark Lee here. I really do like Clark Lee. I think he's a really good football coach. It's a really tough job, but I think he's been doing the right thing since he's gotten that job to put them on a path towards at least elevating the program from where it was, which was an also-ran that really never had a chance to win any SEC games, I think Lee can get them back to respectability. Now, can he get them to the point where they are the best team in the country, the best program in the country, like he said at SEC Media Days last year? No, definitively, no. That's never going to happen. But I do have a lot of respect for Clark Lee. I think he can get them back to respectability. I like what they have at the quarterback position, which is the most important position on the field. So what the hell? Let's go over three and a half. I don't feel very confident on that one. I don't think I'm going to put any of my own money down on that one. But if I had to pick one way or the other here, let's go over three and a half for the Commodores. But all right, guys, that officially does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. We will have part two of our win total series looking at the SEC West and a couple other teams around the country. Some of those high profile teams give you our best bets when it comes to win totals this season. We'll have that for you guys next week. I hope everyone enjoys the great weather and has an amazing weekend. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.